Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Three step drop, throws on the end zone. Hot ball, touchdown, Tampa Bay. Mike Evans reaches up with one hand and grabs it in. It's first and goal. That's picked up. That's picked up. And who else? Rondé Barber. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers may ride to the Super Bowl with that one. We don't even keep score. We just run that up and leave. Third down, 18. Dropping Gannon, looking Gannon, looking Gannon. Those up with it. That's the At the 30. Derrick Brooks, 30. Brooks to the 29. He's going. Derrick Brooks all the way. There it is. The dagger's in. We're going to win the Super Bowl. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. And there are the cannons Cannons. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rhett Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from BucksNation.com, Evan Wanish. Welcome back to the show. It's been a little a little while since we talked to you last. Tampa Bay Buccaneers mandatory minicamp has wrapped up as of last week. We're going to talk to you about some of the top storylines from that and more on another episode of the Cannon Fire Hotline, 305-224-1968. If you're watching live with us on YouTube and you would like to call in, the meeting ID is 895-6929-7818. Once again, 305-224-1968. Evan, how you doing, my friend? I'm doing good. Uh, finally got a little bit of football action, right? Um, some semblance of training camp, kind of. I know it's mini camp. There's no pads, stuff like that. Still a long ways to go. Still got about, what, a month and a half or so uh, towards training camp. So uh, a Father's Day edition of the show. So uh, happy Father's Day to all the dads out there listening. Um yeah, and just excited, you know, to be able to talk about actual uh, football stuff. We're not just going to be making up stuff and trying to come up with stuff on the fly. Because there's actual um, news that has happened, things that have happened that we can finally talk about. So excited about that. Yeah, absolutely. Happy Father's Day. We actually got to, uh, me and some buddies from work, got to hang out with the minor league team for the Yankees down here in Tampa, the Tampa Tarpons today. Did some batting practice at old George M. Steinbrenner Field. Had a lot of fun with that. Um, How, you guys did, gotta, you, did you hit a ball? Like, did the ball get through the infield or? Yeah, you know, I, I, had a, I, had, yeah. I had a couple dingers. Don't get me wrong. Okay. Uh, okay. I missed. I missed a lot more than I hit. But the ones <laughs> that, I, the, but the ones that I did hit were respectable. So, uh, so I'll hang my cap on that. But pleasure to see everyone hanging out in the live chat with us here. Our buddy, Mister Bucks Nation, the moderator, the newest hire over at Pewter Report, checking in. Evan Blythe, Richard T, who gave us a call last week, also checking in. Lee Ayers, haven't seen you in the live chat in a minute, but a pleasure to see you on the stream. Now, if you're watching visually as well, uh, we have a couple of treats for you. The first of those is that I got a new microphone. Um, if you're listening back on the audio replay or the audio version of the show, uh, there are some things that I have to figure out for some reason, Evan, every time you talk, you come on, you you come through not only uh, the USB pot, which is where I have you turned up, but you come through my microphone as well, which creates this weird double like voice effect. Oh, no. uh, it's okay. I'm gonna have to figure that out. But um, 
you know, it, it comes with the territory, new technology, new microphone, new roadcaster. So, uh, you know, we're trying to make this show as good as we can be, and this is just another step in doing so. But not only that, uh, before we get dive into the quarterback competition talk here, Evan, people over here on YouTube have seen that uh, you're kind of stepping up a little bit, and, and you've got your own realm of content now over on the Mr. Bucks Nation YouTube channel. You are filling in the void over there. Tell uh, yeah. Tell the folks about that. Yeah, trying, um, you know, trying to, uh, it's, it's difficult to, to fill in that void exactly. But obviously, as many of you know, James uh, accepted a job at Peter for it, which is very, very cool. Um, but with that, he had to sort of scale back. Uh, he didn't, didn't completely go away from his YouTube channel, but he had to scale back his YouTube channel a little bit. So I've been helping out there with doing as, as much as I, as I can, um, as well as I can. It is my main goal is I don't want the channel to nosedive <laughs> because James is, you know, he's built it up to what it is now. And it's one of the best Bucks YouTube channels, uh, on the entire app. And, um, you know, I'm just trying to do right by that. So yeah, if you want to check me out somewhere else, sort of in a shorter, less in depth, um, role, I guess you could say, um, yeah, go, go check out the stuff here, there, but also, you know, if, if you want the in-depth stuff, the the call-in shows, everything like that, you got to stick right here. So, uh, be, you know, be sure to, to check out the Campfire Podcast and everything we got here and and vice versa. So, I mean, we're going to be doing basically, you know, I it's another way to promote the podcast, too, which always helps. Um, we know James's audience has always been great to us, but it'd be nice to even expand that even more. So, yeah, all about making this Red and Pewter community bigger and uh, better year after year. So let's get into the talk of the town this week, and that is the quarterback battle for another week in a row. We are talking about Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Now, this week in a much more positive light, given that we don't have a certain video floating around from from the depths of training camp or uh, mini camp there. But, you know, we hear more and more about Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask both getting more adjusted to this Dave Canales offense. They're getting more of those reps that count. And while they're not going to be back in the building until July for training camp, we did get a much better ideal uh, idea of their, what's the word I'm looking for, their comfortability level in this offense after this week. Obviously, obviously still a lot yet to be determined in preseason games and training camp are going to help us do that. But Evan, if I had to ask you right here, right now, who you think is going to be the week one starter for the Bucks at QB, is it Baker Mayfield or is it Kyle Trask? Yeah, you're starting off with the with the hard hitter. Um, you know, yeah, you hit a few balls today, and you're like, you know what? We're gonna start off with the home run guy. Yeah, I bet, um, I bet you didn't see that one coming. <laughs> um, you know, as we sit here today, June 18th, um, obviously a lot can change between now and week one, like a lot. And but just assuming everything goes normal assuming there's nothing out of the ordinary nothing unexpected uh you can't predict an injury to anybody or any time um assuming all bygones you know everything's even right i think it's gonna be baker mayfield um i just i have trouble seeing todd bowles in a year where he may be on the hot seat I have trouble seeing him hitching his wagon to a guy that doesn't even have a single career start in a year like this. If they struggle, if Baker Mayfield starts the season and they struggle, it would not surprise me if Kyle Trask eventually gets put in because you got to see what you have. But you asked me about week one, 
I have to imagine the starting quarterback for week one for this team is going to be Baker Mayfield, barring Kyle Trash is looking tremendous and Baker Mayfield, maybe not barring an injury. I, I just barring something unexpected. I have to think that right now, Baker Mayfield's a leader in the clubhouse. And I think it's going to stay that way throughout training camp in the preseason. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I, I I was not a Baker Mayfield believer by any stretch of the imagination when they first brought him to Tampa. You know my opinion. I, I wish they would have gone with, with Gardner Minshew. Uh, I think we could have marketed Minshew Mania the same way we're, we're marketing Baker Mayfield right now and had just as much fun with it. But, you know, one of the things that I can't appreciate since Bake has come to town is kind of seeing him out and about in the community a little more. Uh, you know, we've, we've seen him at multiple lightning games. We saw him at the Rays game signing autographs for a bunch of fans, taking pictures with people and kissing babies, you know, taking pictures with old <laughs> ladies. You love to see it. It's starting quarterback behavior. And Kyle has done all that and then some. But, you know, as time goes by, I, I, I do just, I hate to say he's winning me over, but he kind of is winning me over. Um, we'll yeah, talk well, about he's, more, definitely, he's, he's definitely, definitely winning the dog over. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're always they're, excited they're, about yeah, Baker. The, the puppy, the puppy, <laughs> the puppy here making her official debut on the Cannon Fire podcast. This is Scout, the newest member of my family here. Happy to have her. She's happy to be here, but she is a little restless climbing up my shoulder <laughs> right now. So we'll see how I can manage that for the rest of the pod here. Um, but <laughs> you know, going back to Baker, he is winning me over. He he really is. I don't know what it is. I'm ready to to embrace it. I'm ready to get baked week one. Uh, you know, if, if, if we're going to do this, I, I want to see, I want to see just how far we're ready to go. And, uh, I would like to see Baker resurrect his career in Tampa, simplified offense, Dave Canales, making things easier for both of his quarterbacks, regardless of who's going to be playing. Um, you know, if we can see some kind of improvement on the Baker that we saw in LA, I think the Bucks can put a competent offense on the field. And with this defense only looking to get better after last season. I know that they are putting a lot of trust in young talent, but they have the potential to be one of the best defenses in the NFC South. And that goes a long way because that carried this team last year. If you put mm-hmm. together a competent offense, kind of like what we said on, on the last podcast, you know, it, it's hard to not believe that this offense or at least this Bucks team could be at least a little bit better, especially once they reach that point in the season where hopefully things are firing on all cylinders. Yeah, you know, and the tough thing about it is I think it obviously depends on Baker. It depends on his performance, but it also depends on the offensive scheme. And that's one thing I've sort of been trying to preach a little bit this offseason is it's so difficult to reject those things because, yes, you can look at Seattle's offense and you can look at what Dave Canales, uh, you know, his influence in Seattle's offense and what you can maybe take bits and pieces from that, but you don't, that's not going to be this game. Like it's not going to be Seattle's a carbon copy of Seattle's offense. So you don't know what the offensive scheme is going to be. You don't know if it's going to be successful. Like you have no idea if it's going to be successful or not in the NFL. He's a first year offensive coordinator in the NFL. There's there's risk here. But if it is successful, I think you could be looking at a competent offense. And you know what? Sometimes, you know, Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield's not Tom Brady, right? Baker Mayfield, honestly, probably isn't even on the level that Jameis Winston was in 2019. Like he's like talent wise, probably not even on that level. But I think you can mask that a little bit of that with a better offensive scheme. And I think that's what they're going to be shooting for, you know, this fall. We got our first caller here on the show. Who do we have calling in? 
Hello, hello. Hello. Hey, what's up? You're on the Can of Fire hello. podcast. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good, man. Good, what's your you? name? Where are you calling from? Um, I'm calling from Bradenton. What's on your mind this week? Um, yeah, so um, about the whole Baker Mayfield thing. So, yeah, I would imagine that he is going to win the starter because, again, the whole Todd Bowles being possibly on the hot seat, but that's the one thing. Like, Because me personally, now a lot of people are going to really – when I say this, people are going to be like, what the heck is he talking about? But I personally believe, like, if I was the owner of the Bucks, I would just give the starter starting job to Traft because when people say, oh, um, he doesn't have experience, well, yeah, you got to give him experience. Otherwise, how are we going to develop him? Like, you can't just throw out the whole, oh, he sat behind Tom Brady. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. We've got to give him experience. Otherwise, how are we going to develop him? Now, again, yeah, Todd Bowles could be um, on the hot seat, but that really just makes me like, why did BA have to step down, man? Like he could have like really, really helped Trask and it's just not a good situation for Trask. That's just my opinion. No, I, I don't, I don't think it's a favorable situation. I mean, especially when you're a former second round pick, yes, you had to sit behind Tom Brady uh, for two seasons, but when you're potentially looking at getting your first NFL action, uh, in your third year, it's it's definitely not favorable. And, and I mean, you you bring up a good point. Like, you know, we talk about the lack of experience that Trask has, but you're not like he's not going to get much better riding the bench. Right. So um, if you're hoping that he can get better, then you kind of have to play him. If he struggles, he struggles. But if he does well, then, hey, maybe you, you don't need to go out and spend resources uh, on exactly. a draft pick, um, you know, for a quarterback. Thing, um, wait, am I still on? Yep, go ahead. You're still there. Oh, okay, sorry. Um, another thing is, like, even if we give him, like, one year, like, he's going to be, like, a basic rookie quarterback where he's going to make mistakes and he's going to have his struggles. Like, even if, like, he would give him a year, we can't just one year and out. Like, we still got to continue to develop him. That That's just – that's just what I think. Uh, you guys have a good day. All right. Thanks, thanks for the call, call, man. Yeah. Thanks for calling in, buddy. Yeah. An interesting point there, and one that you don't hear too often. Um, you know, this guy says, I, I didn't catch his name, but this guy says that, hey, just just throw Baker in there. Or I'm sorry, just throw Kyle in there. Trial by fire. You know, if you're going to find out what this guy has, then now. It's the only way you're, you're, you're going to find it, out. It, yeah. Know? At this rate, you know. And the thing about Kyle Trask, too, which is crazy, is that this is his first fair shot at a starting job in the NFL. And, and in a lot of ways, it still feels like an uphill battle for the guy. <laughs> you know, we, we kind of talked about how if he was able to win this job from Baker Mayfield, like that would exceed everyone's expectations that they already have set for him. Because I, I don't think, I don't think there were very many people who were looking at Kyle Trask when they signed Baker Mayfield and, had legitimate hopes and expectations that he was going to compete in this job. And I, I don't know if that says more about what the average fan thinks of Kyle Trask, or if it says more about what Kyle Trask has given the average fan to think about up until this point, probably the latter there, um, you know, but you even heard rumblings from different media outlets about how the bucks may not be the highest on second round draft pick Kyle Trask. Like this is a guy that again, you did spend the draft revenue on, and a lot of fans are getting mad watching him sit there on the bench for potentially the third year in a row. 
But I yeah. mean, this is as fair of a shake as he was going to get. And again, it it we still have yet to reach training camp. We still have yeah. yet to reach the preseason, but it already feels like he's falling behind in this quarterback battle here. Yeah, the interesting thing, and and here's when you talk about okay, you know, the Bucks aren't giving him experiences and that, you know, they sort of given up on him. The one thing that they have that we don't is they're seeing him every day on their practice field. They're seeing him every day in that building. If they don't like what they see, that's something that we don't know. Like, like we, if they're not, if he's not developing in practice the way that they believe, like if they don't think he's game ready, like do you really want to go out there and embarrass yourselves? Like if you don't think he's game ready, to me, I'm always of the mindset. It don't matter where you're picked. Um, you know, to me, it doesn't matter if you're the first overall pick, if you're the last pick of the draft, it doesn't matter. You have to earn your spot right now as a rookie. You know, you get you get leeway. But like and if Kyle Trask was a rookie right now, I think we'd be talking about a different situation. I think there'd be a lot more people that was like, yeah, like Trask has this job and there'd be a lot more believers in Kyle Trask. But he's entering his third year and. I think the tough thing about it is when you sign Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield, it's not like they signed, you know, Lamar Jackson or even a Jimmy Garoppolo where you're like, Oh, like that guy's a starter. Like there is no competition. No, there's a competition here. Like Baker Mayfield is not like, Oh, it's a lock for a starting job. But the more you hear about it, the more it's like, yeah, it's probably going to be Baker Mayfield. And if that's the case, if that's, if Baker Mayfield's a week one starter and let's say, Kyle Trask doesn't get in at all. Well, then, you know, you might as well look at either commit to Baker Mayfield as your guy, depending on what he does, or look elsewhere because you're not going to start Kyle Trask for his first year as a starter in his fourth year in the league. That's just, that's not going to happen. So this is make or break for Kyle Trask. Um, I don't mean to pat myself on the back here. I don't want to because, because look, like it's not what that's not what's best for the organization. Right. What's best for the organ? Well, the only way that would be like Trask not being the starter that would be best for the organization is if Mayfield is playing really well. That's what's best for the organization if Trask isn't the starter. But long term, the best things like, yeah, Trask beats out Mayfield and Trask is your guy for the next eight, nine years. You know, like that's the best thing for the organization. However, I did say <laughs> after they drafted Kyle Trask. I did make the claim that uh, Kyle Trask was never going to start a game, a uh, regular season game in a Buccaneers uniform. So it's kind of looking okay right now. Like it's, it's looking decent. Um, is there a chance he gets in uh, at some point this year? If Mayfield struggles, which look like you can be a Baker Mayfield believer if you want. The recent evidence has shown that like the, or there will be struggles at times. Like he was replaced in Carolina, um, LA, it was really up and down, but they didn't have anybody else to really replace him with. So the history shows that there may be a, a door cracked open for Kyle Trask there. But uh, yeah, that take of mine is not looking too bad right now. I, I think that's going to be the best hope for Kyle Trask this coming season. If he does want to get in. Um, Here, here's, right. again, here's a question. Here's a question I want to ask. What point does, let's say, I don't know, I, in your mind, let's say it's week six, week seven, how many wins do the Buccaneers have to have 
or how many losses I should say for the Bucks to be like, ah, I got Petraska. Like, is it, it you know, but by week six, week seven, or do they have one win? Do they have two wins? Like, well, what's the, what's the, you know, if they're, what's the difference between one and six or two and five? Like, is there that big of a difference between those? Like, I, that's why I don't know. Yeah, obviously, you're going to have to look at how they lost those games. Like, if, if Baker went out and threw five picks and the, the, the other defense was having a field day, then, then yeah, obviously, it's going to be something we're going to have to consider sooner than later. But, you know, if he's not playing terrible and the Bucks defense has just let us down, let's say the secondary gets torched early on in the season, uh, and by week six, the Bucks are looking at a three and three record. I would say if Baker hasn't absolutely stuck the place up, then you probably go ahead and stick with him. Um, but if that, it, it, you know, again, just like you said, if they're if they're rocking a two and five, one and six record by week seven, and you can clearly look at the offense as a big reason as to why this team isn't working. You know, we've seen it happen before 2018. We saw Jameis Winston and Ryan Fitzpatrick. I know Fitzmagic came out hot, you know, first two weeks of the year. Uh, Bucks were looking great. They shut down the Saints on the road. They they beat the defending Super Bowl champion Eagles. Kind of sputtered out Monday night football against the uh, the Steelers. And then Fitzmagic turned his ugly head. And, and we obviously saw Jameis come back into the fray. And then they couldn't make up their mind for the rest of the year after that. So... That's obviously a situation that we have to, uh, I, I guess, just anticipate because we have seen some bad quarterback play before. Well, here's, the, here's the thing, real quick, before yeah, we get to this caller. I'm, I'm of the opinion that there is no flip-flopping to me. I'm of the opinion that if you start Baker Mayfield week one and by week eight you want to make a change, okay, Kyle Trash should be your guy for the rest of the season. There is no going back to Baker Mayfield, going back to Kyle Trash. There is no that, – that's dumb. That, that's like, my, so it, it is, I agree with you. It is dumb. And it's counterproductive to what they're trying to do with the quarterback position. You know, if you want to figure out which one of these guys is going to be your next potential future quarterback, which is the situation the Bucs are in right now. Luckily, they do have choices, but you're going to have to commit to one of these guys. And, and kind of like Ryan Fitzpatrick, where you knew his days were numbered in Tampa. You know, Jameis Winston was already on a short leash in 2018, given that the seasons he had produced before. Um, so I think the Bucs are going to want to be a little bit more patient. And while I do agree musical QBs is dumb, I don't know, man. I think if Kyle Trask comes in at week six, week seven of the season, uh, the season's probably already a wash at that point. And I would like to think we would probably see Baker Mayfield again before the end of that regular season. But we have another caller here from the 626. What's your name? Where are you calling in from? What's up, guys? This is Richard T. Hey, Richard T. on the West Coast. Yes, sir. Calling from San Gabriel, California. Um, yeah, a couple things on my mind, but um, I want to um, discuss uh, Evan's question. You know, he's asking how long, pretty much how long is that leash, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that, that's kind of hard to say because what if what if the Bucks are like five and one, but they're losing games, you know, 24 to 26, 27 to 29, you know, 28 to 30, is that really going to be on the, on the quarterback? Um, not that I see us scoring 25, 26, 27 points a game, you know, with, with this new offense, there's going to be a lot of, uh, I'm pretty sure that we're going to take a lot of hits along the way as everyone's learning this new offense. But um, I, I think it's just hard to gauge right now to find out like, well, what that leash is because we have to like really 
consider how are they losing? Mm-hmm. You know, um, is the defense giving up too many points? Is special teams not making their kicks? Special teams not covering their their punts or or, or kickoff coverages? Um, but definitely, if it is the offense that's losing games for us, Mayfield's getting two picks a game, losing fumbles. We're only scoring 10, 11, 12 points a game. I mean, probably by October, we'll see. We'll see Trask behind behind center. Yeah, here's the interesting thing to me. So let's say, all right, let's say Baker Mayfield doesn't do awful. But let's also say he doesn't light the world on fire. And by week eight, the Bucks are two and five. Does a, a Todd Bowles who would be on the hot seat by that point, like he'd be firmly on the hot seat. He can't afford a three, four win season or else that he's going to get fired. And even like Jason Light, who I think would survive, I'm not 100 percent certain would survive. So let's say Baker Mayfield is average, right? Let's say it's average, but, you know, like the offensive line is not all there. You know, Tristan Wirfs has moved to the left side has been okay. Luke Gedeke still learning. The new offensive system is, you know, still working out the kinks. Baker made, but the quarterback play is average, but you're still two and five to me. That's when you may have to make that switch regardless of like, Hey, you know, Baker hasn't been bad, but like, you need a spark. And I, I think that's maybe what could um, prompt a, a QB change. And again, Hope this doesn't happen. You know, I'm hoping that the Buccaneers are five and two, uh, you know, but by week eight. But and then you don't need to have this conversation at all. But I do think heading into the season, we need to have that conversation of like, just like you said, how long is that leash? How long does Baker Mayfield have before a coaching staff, which is going to have a lot of pressure on it? How long does it have before they say we got to go to the other guy? And I think that's one of the interesting storylines for this year. You know, I, I will agree with you 100%. If that's the case, if that, if that was a situation, if Baker's just playing mediocre in a league that caters to the quarterbacks now, you know, where average quarterbacks can look good, good quarterbacks can look great, and great quarterbacks can look legendary, um, I, think, I, I think you're right. We would have to do consider, at least consider, that change to give that spark so that um, the offense can do what they need because if he's not being that that good of a what did Canales call it like a, a point guard yeah, right? yeah basically yeah the, the, yeah like like the point guard yeah. the playmaker like the distributor not, not the yeah if he's not seeing that field he's not distributing the ball where it needs to go um yeah um I, oh and not just distributing the ball where it needs to go but distributing the ball getting the play done at the time that we need that play, you know, so many times, especially during the Jameson era, era um, and last season, when it was third and two, we couldn't convert. Fourth and one, we couldn't convert. You know, second and goal, couldn't get it. You know, um, time and time again, that, that we, we just seen that happen. So if, if that's something that continues, then yeah, I, I will be, 100 100% behind you on on considering that that change uh, another for the quarterback thing, so another thing that kind of begs the question of how short that leash is going to be for Baker Mayfield is taking into consideration that you know he does not only have playoff experience but he has starter experience as well 
So coming into this quarterback battle, he's already a QB that we have a much better idea of what to expect from him, right? So, so the question is, just how average does he have to be, you know, to get to get benched? Like, it, like he doesn't have to go out there and light the world on fire, just like Evan said. But if he is pedestrian, but that's what is, I'm saying, though. If, if he's pedestrian and you're not winning games, you right. may have to do something, right? But, but, but then you throw in Kyle Trask, and the expectations are a little bit different because I feel like if Kyle Trask is pedestrian the same way that Baker Mayfield is pedestrian in this hypothetical scenario, then some people are going to give Kyle, or they're going to be faster to give him the benefit of the doubt, considering he is going to have, you know, those first time starter jitters. Like he, he's not as well adjusted to being a starter sure. in the NFL as, as Baker is. So does that mean that, you know, the leash for mediocrity is a little bit longer for a guy like Kyle Trask? Cause I, I mean, once you put him I, in, in this season, like I said, I, I feel like if Baker is playing so bad to where we have to put Trask in, this season is already a wash anyway. So once I mean, Trask goes in, at two, at two and five, it's a wash. Yeah. Even so if so, Baker's so, average. so once Trask goes in, you trust him for the rest of the year. If he is just as pedestrian as Kyle Trask, does that make you feel any better about but where you, he is? You have, you have to see what you have in him. Like you gotta, you gotta just like the last caller. You gotta find out eventually. So oh, yeah, like, yeah, if, not, if, you're, if you're two, if you're two out. and five. If you're two and five, the pressure on these later games after the two and five start, there's not much pressure. It's like, hey, man, like if you lose whatever, it's just it's a crap season. You know, like it's not like, oh, this is they need to win this game. Like the pressure. And, and I think you need to see what you have in him. What if, OK, you're talking yeah. about if he's mediocre. What if he shows upside? What if he's like, hmm, Kyle Trask is like, OK, they're still losing. But like Trask has played decent you know like he then you then you have that conversation of maybe you don't need to spend your top 10 top 15 pick on a quarterback instead you can get something to help you out in another area that you need better so that's why i think um yeah i mean you make a good point like the leash for mediocrity like if trask is mediocre that's going to be met with a different reception than mayfield sure but i also think there's more of a leeway because Trask is basically like you said earlier, he's basically a rookie this year. Like this is his first year. And I think it just context matters in that scenario. Hey, speaking of context, our buddy Matt Diaz brings up a good point in the chat here. He says to me, if they were two and five by week seven, that also probably means his defense isn't playing too well. And if you're two and five at that point, uh, there's probably bigger problems on this Bucks team than just the level of quarterback play. But Richard T, any closing thoughts before we let you go, my friend? Hey, yeah. Okay. So look, if, if, if Trask, you know, to, to go on your point, what's that leash for Trask considering he's like first year starter, I, I, I would have to imagine the team is going to say, you're the quarterback, you're expected to win. You're expected to, to deliver no excuses. And as fans, guess what? I think that's the same boat, like no excuses, dude. Now. Yeah. We all want, you know, to give him that little leeway because there is going to be a learning curve. There really is. But truth of the matter is that in this day and age of quarterback, this day and age of football, you don't deliver. You're going to be on the hot seat. Um, oh, yeah. So, so that, so that's that's it. Um, hey, I have a question for you guys. There's one thing I did want to I want to ask you guys, and and it's not quarterback, um, but quarterback of the defense. We're talking. I want to bring up 45. Um, 
It's it's good that he was at um, minicamp this week, and I'm you know I'm a I'm a Devin White fan. I, I've loved him since he came in, but the last couple of years he's definitely been bringing up a lot of question marks. Would you say at this point of his career, has he shown more good than bad, or more mediocrity than good in his career thus thus far? Also got to consider, like, the first two years he played, we were playing 16 games. He missed four games his, his rookie year. Now, the last two years, 17 games now, and it's been a little rocky for him. What, what do you guys think about his career thus, thus far, as far as what he's shown more? Awesome. We'll dive into it. Great call. Thanks, you. Uh, thanks for calling in, Rich. We'll talk to you later, bud. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, you guys take care. Peace. Thanks, Drew. Yeah, it's an interesting question. Actually, you know, that's a good way to close the quarterback talk because one of our subjects tonight was Devin White. So, obviously, Devin White showed up from uh, mini camp. Um, It was mandatory. So, that was the big storyline. Was he going to show up or not? First time he's appearing since his trade request. So, to answer Richard's question, and I think that's why we're in this situation. I think it's a mixed bag. Um, and I think that's why there is no definite solution. Um, there is some Bucks fans that believe he should be paid. There's some Bucks fans that believe the Bucks are doing him wrong, that like, you know, they should have got this done right before this trade request even happened. And then there's others that are like, show me. Right. Like you got to show me. And then there's others that are completely out. Like it is it is three different ones from three different spectrums. And it is no like there is no in between. So that's the issue with Devin White's play. Now, it's interesting that he brought up the the schedule. Um, I find that interesting because it's wear and tear on your body and playing a position like linebacker is going to be you're going to be taking a lot more hits uh, in an extra game. Uh, and maybe you look at him like, Hey, I'm playing an extra game. Maybe I should be getting some more money. So, um, but to, to answer the question, I just, I, I don't, you can't judge it. It's, he's too inconsistent. You don't know what you're getting on a week to week basis. However, what you got in the 2022 season was if you're just asking me and I can give you this answer, I guess, based on last season, you got mostly bad. Like, like last season was mostly bad. In past seasons, you'd be like, oh, it's a good Devin White game. Then the next week, you're like, uh. This past season, it was it was pretty bad most of the time. There were flashes. Obviously, Dallas week one um, did really well. I think the New Orleans, first New Orleans game, he played okay. Uh, but then, like, the Ravens game. That Ravens game was a joke. Like, that that, that was an, an embarrassment. Um especially the way the Ravens just ran all over them in the second half there to take that game. Like you're one of the leaders on the defense. Like you got to step up and put an end to that. You know, I just, that's, that's why he's a polarizing figure uh, in, in the Bucks uh, realm right now. So um, that's why it's also a tough decision for the Bucks 
on whether to, to sign him or not. It would be easy if he was playing consistently, uh, consistently good or consistently bad. It'd be a pretty easy decision, but uh, he just is an enigma that, uh, yeah, just you don't know what you're getting. You, you, you just, just don't. don't. I, I think a lot of fans who have spoken out against Evan White or or have supported the case of not paying him and not having him in Tampa a lot of those people seem to take issue with most of his off the field antics, whether it is, you know, talking about how much he loves the Eagles on social media or posting something passive aggressive about uh, the fan base, playing football, being where you want to be, all of that stuff. A, a lot of people don't care for that extra stuff. And listen, I'm not against any player speaking their mind about whatever it may be, you know, because that's the state of the NFL these days. Those are the players that play in the league. And those guys have a right to express their opinion whenever they want, whether you agree with it or not. Um, but as far as addressing Richard's question of whether he has shown more good or bad, I would say in the grand scheme of things, Devin White has shown more good than bad because the Bucks are, I mean, the Bucks are giving his contract talk. They're giving it attention and they are giving it the time of day because if he goes out there and he plays his ass off this year, I do think the Bucks are going to make a push to pay him. And, uh, you know, an interesting question here in the chat from our buddy Dove says, uh, question is, has he been better than Quan Alexander was by this point? I think he has been head and shoulders better than Quan Alexander was because when it was time to potentially pay Quan Alexander, the Bucks did not even think twice about it before they let him go ahead and sign elsewhere. Uh, Devin White, this is a trivial year for him because I, I think the Bucks are ready to hitch their wagon to a player like Devin White, especially with Levante David now being the oldest guy on your defense and potentially moving on after this season, the Bucks want this to work out more than anyone else. I don't know about Devin White, but in my opinion, I think he has shown more good than bad. Has it been worth a $100 million contract? No, but he still has a whole season to, to go out there and prove his worth to a lot of teams who, who still see that value in him. And I think the Bucks are one of those teams that still see a lot of value in him. Yeah, but I, but I also think like the Bucks are ready, like, I just think Jason Light has shown that he's willing to stick to his guns a lot of the time, like and and not give in. Like, yeah, he's he's not scared to move on from guys. Yeah, like and and that's hey, that's great. Like that's what every GM should do. Like it's you don't give in just because he was drafted fifth overall and he makes splashy plays and stuff. If you don't think he's worth the money he's asking for, tell him, hey man, go find it. You know. They could go to the open market and go find somebody that's going to pay you a hundred million dollars or ninety million dollars, whatever it may be. Go find it. If you can't, call us. You know, yeah. If, if you can't, you know, you can take our offer. But uh, if you think so highly of yourself, go ahead. Like, and Jason Light has done it a few times. Like, he he has done that. Like, you know, um, I mean, Jamel Dean technically hit the open market. Um, I believe Carlton Davis hit the open market. Uh, it was there's a lot of guys. Jason Pierre Paul has hit the open market a few times. Uh, Nadam Kinsu hit the open market. Leonard Fournette is a great example. Um, you know, Leonard Fournette hit the open market, and he, um, you know, he returned to the Buccaneers eventually. So, you know, I think it's. It, it, it's tough, you know, and you're, and you're kind of playing hardball um, with a player like Devin White, but um, you just hope it doesn't drag into the season, right? Let's say a week seven game and Devin White doesn't play well 
and something happens in the locker room where he refuses to speak to reporters or he says something that's like a little eyebrow raising. That's what you don't want. You know, that's what you don't want into. Which is which has happened before. Again, I mean, yeah, already yeah. enough cause, I mean, already enough cause for concern that we have had issues like this happen before. Um, you know, so it's already something that people are going to have their guard up and, and they're probably going to take a little more seriously this year of all years as well. Yeah. And also like Richard uh, commented in the chat that he didn't play well in 2022, but it wasn't bad enough to be benched. Uh, here's my thing. The Bucks don't have anybody behind him. Like behind Levante David and Devin White, there's nobody. Like it's KJ Britt. Like KJ Britt can't be your one of your starting linebackers, especially when the Buccaneers last season were with Tom Brady still trying to win. Like they were trying to win a Super Bowl. You can't have KJ Britt as your middle linebacker when you try and win a Super Bowl. Like if everybody's healthy, you, you can't have that. So all due respect to KJ Britt, but you can't have that if you're trying to win. So was it like was it bad enough to be benched i don't know we'll never know but it may have been just because they didn't have anybody else like there wasn't nobody else now they have drafted servasier dennis out of pittsburgh a linebacker who flashed uh a little bit in mini camp does he push do you know does he push a guy like devin white maybe um Botticotti brought up in the uh brought up in the live chat he's he's long gone if i'm not mistaken he's yeah, with a so. Signed with another squad. I think he's in Jacksonville or yeah, something, something like that, that. or Tennessee, something. Uh, yeah, I you know. Anyway, he's not he's not there anymore. So, um, but he, I mean, he was making a push. It just towards the end of the preseason, he sort of went a little quiet. But I will say this uh, about Devin yeah. White's 2023 season. You know, obviously his play on the field is going to be what determines his future in Tampa Bay. But I, I think his uh, his attitude throughout the year is gonna is gonna be telling, and it's and it's going to. Uh, it's this, this, be this will go one of this will go one of two ways. I, I agree. Um, I, like, I, 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 you know, the fans. The, it, I, I gotta tell you, if at any point this season, um, Devin White chooses to close up, or he chooses to maybe handle something not seen in the best light to the average Bucks fan. Whether it is ignoring a Jenna Lane question, whether it is shutting down after a game in the locker room and not talking to the press, or it's making smart aleck comments on social media, uh, stuff like that is is going to be even more polarizing this year to the average person because he's going to have a microscope on him. And I, I think if he handles this with grace, and you know he just goes out there and he does his job, which at the end of the day, it's all he should want to do if he wants to be paid. Um. You know, that's going to go a long way. But if he if he resorts to his previous behavior, then I, I can't imagine it's going to go very well for him. I think it could be a long year. And I say that because um, he's going to get hit with a lot of tough questions this year. He, he just is. He has set himself up. I know that it, reports have come out that he is putting the trade request behind him. He was at mandatory minicamp while he didn't practice. Uh, it's a toss-up. This is my next question. It's a toss-up of people saying, oh, it's a hold-in. Oh, he's just not ready to go physically. Oh, it's this. Oh, it's that. Um, he was there. He did show up for his teammates, which which I can't appreciate. And he has been cordial in his time back. Um, but I think the way that he handles things off of the field is is going to say a lot about him this year. And people are going to be playing... Uh, people are going to be paying extra close attention to stuff like that. But Evan... Um, 
is this a Holden or do people just kind of like to make a, a mountain out of a molehill here? I, I don't think it's a Holden. Um, now I think we'll get our answer on that on training camp, you know, because now there's no excuse. Like you've shown up for mini camp. And if you're going to show up for mini camp, like the expectation has to be like, you're showing up for training camp. So, you know, the first few days of training camp, if he doesn't practice, then you might be like, all right, like what's going on. And then it gets ugly because if he's just refusing to practice, is he going to refuse to play? Like, and then, and then it's like a distraction where like, you're like, this can't, like, we can't have this. Like, and that's, that's the last thing anyone in that locker room wants, yeah. Devin White included, is for this to become a distraction uh, come the regular season. That's the last thing this defense is going to need. Are we sure, Devin White? I think he'd be okay with it. <laughs> I mean, he's doing it to himself. It's his own fault. Like, Richard, it, it, Richard, Richard did it with a great it, quote in the chat. I, I, I forgot to bring this up when I was talking earlier, but kind of follows what I was talking about. Levante David even said that Devin White's emotions got the best of him last year. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is that he, wow. it's like he hasn't learned from Brady and Evans when it comes to contracts. Now, obviously, well, yeah, his, and, oh, and, and if, if that dude that's sitting right next to you right there on that newspaper, if he was still around that, this wouldn't be flying right now. So. I want to, I want to, I want to agree. Um, especially now we hear more and more about Mike Evans potentially working on a contract extension with Tampa Bay to, to more than likely make him a Buccaneer for his entire career, which I personally cannot wait for. But you know, as we await the details on what that new deal is going to look like, I can't imagine Mike Evans is about to be breaking the wide receiver market, uh, in the NFL. And I I think it is going to be a team friendly deal, which again, Shows you where his priorities might be compared to some of his teammates also looking for. And, and, and you know what? Like, okay, players go out and get your money. Like, Devin White, go get your money, man. Like, that's that's fine. Okay, that is, there's there's nothing wrong with asking for a, a crap ton of money. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. But you better make sure your play dictates that. Like, Mike Evans's play dictates. 20, you know, 20 plus million dollars a year. And that's what he's going to get. Now, will that break the wide receiver market? No, because the wide receiver market's way up right now. But like, he's going to get paid. Like he's earned it. Like he, he has earned it. Devin White has not earned that contract. So when you haven't earned the contract you're seeking, don't go pout and, and, and request a trade. You know, that doesn't show, that shows, you know, like immaturity. Like that just, to me, there was such better ways that he could have handled this. He could have stayed out of the headlines completely, put his head down and just worked and said, you know what? Use his motivation. Be like, you know what? This organization doesn't believe in me right now to give me a hundred million dollars. I'm going to make them believe. And then they're going to have to pay me more than a hundred million dollars because I'm going to prove that I'm worth more than that. And instead he took the route of, you know, asking out basically taking his ball and going home like and it's it's creating a whole drama that was just so unnecessary like it's just it's not necessary so um oh and also like i see like something in the chat like uh me saying like brady wouldn't let this stuff fly like um that's not a shot at todd bowles or kyle Trask or baker mayfield like anybody on that bucks roster i'm just saying there's a difference when 12's in the building. Um, there's a complete difference. And yeah, it, it, uh, I mean, all, and, you know, all the guys who decided to stick around solely because of Tom Brady, like Leonard Fournette, obviously being lumped into that conversation. Um, Julio Jones was just a one year rental, but that's a guy who took less money to come here and play. 
I, that's the mentality when you have a guy like Brady in the building. Just like you said, no slight against Todd Bowles or anyone else in that organization. It's just a different team and it's a different mentality when you're building a team around uh, the greatest quarterback of all time versus not having him around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So a, a critical year for Devin White. But uh, as we sort of wrap it up, uh, talk about Mike Evans. Yeah, obviously he was in the news this week um, about possibly working on an extension now as we need to preface this. There is no extension right now. Uh, there is no terms because there is no contract extension. However, I'd say... And, and this has been rumored all offseason. Like, this isn't something that just popped out of the blue. It's just Rick Stroud, you know, sort of brought it back up to the surface here in a Tampa Bay Times article. He also said that both sides are looking to get something done this summer. So um, perhaps before training camp, maybe before the season, I would think training camp, they would like to have it done before training camp, but who knows. Uh, but regardless, you know, it sounds like I'd say – this is just me, a 90, 90, 95% chance. Like it, Mike Evans and the Bucks are going to agree to some sort of contract extension. He was supposed to be a free agent after this upcoming season. So I, I don't think that's going to be happening. I think he's going to, um, apparently, I think at one of the foundation things, he had said like he wants to play for like three or four more seasons. Um, so you could see a contract maybe line up with those wishes. Maybe it's, you know, like a, a two or three year deal tacked onto this one. So really it'd be three more years or four more years. So um, I, I don't think you're going to see Mike Evans uh, wearing another team's uniform anytime soon, because I, I expect him to be in Tampa Bay um, long-term sooner rather than later. It's no secret the cap hell the Bucks have had to dig themselves out of. So when we talk about a Mike Evans extension, this off season of all seasons where they already had to restructure a couple of guys to sign the draft class, is this going to be one of those weird contracts with a bunch of extra void years tacked onto the end of it? Or do you think they're just going to give him a straight up extension? And uh, as far as compensation goes, we'll cross that bridge when we come to it because he is about to go into the final year of his current deal. Yeah, I would, I would personally like them to avoid the void years thing. Um, Cause that creates dead money. And I agree. Look, You've already like, kicked the like, can down the road long enough. Yeah. This is the year that you eat it. Yeah. And like you, you've, you've already eaten it. Like you don't need to eat it again. Like who knows where you're going to be in three or four years. Like if you're in a championship window, sure. But like, there's no guarantee of that. So I, I would like to avoid that. Um, you know, and that's also the, the contract extension now would actually give them more cap space now. Um, $5 super chat. Appreciate Mikey. Um, can we see Werfs or Winfield getting extended midseason like we did with Vita Vea? Um, I could see it. Uh, I, I think Werfs is going to be more of an offseason thing just because he has the fifth year option, whereas Anton Winfield is scheduled to be a free agent after this season. I also, uh, but I, 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 I could see it. I also think some added context there as well, comparing Winfield's deal to Tristan Werfs' deal. Tristan Wirfs is going to set the tone for that left tackle market <laughs> if he's getting paid like the best left tackle in the NFL. If he's playing like it, if, if, if he's, he's as good a left tackle as he's a right tackle, it's yeah. Yeah, he's going to earn every dollar of that contract, which means the Bucks are going to have to shell out much more money up front than I think they're going to have to do with Antoine Winfield Jr. I think Winfield Jr. has played great. I think he's going to earn every dollar of that deal he's going to get. And, I just don't and, necessarily and both, of, both of those guys will be back. Yeah, uh, yeah, they'll both be back. Record. I just don't necessarily think Winfield Jr. is on pace to uh, to reset his respective position market 
uh, the way Tristan Wirfs is about to do. But excited to see both of those guys get paid and remain Bucks yeah. for the long haul. Uh, Richard T with a good question here regarding Mike Evans. Can the Bucks retire numbers even while Mike Evans yeah. still playing? Uh, I'm sure they could, but I, I can't I imagine I why I they would. Yeah. And I've never seen that before, ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, it, you know, guys like LeBron it, it will, James. Are, it will be. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, I, I mean, there are some guys in the NBA, like LeBron James, is he not the the last NBA player wearing number six as of right now? Because yeah. they had retired. Yeah, because it was, it was like grandfathered in. Yeah, yeah, so so I mean, if the Bucks decide to do it, maybe that's how we see it play out. But if they're going to retire any numbers for anyone on this team right now, it's going to be after their career is over. Yeah, um, so, and, yeah and sometimes don't, don't, nobody's going to be wearing a 13 in a Bucks uniform yet. That's so. the thing, too, is that it, we don't know yet if it's going to be one of those unofficial, unspoken retirements or if it's going right. to be a big ceremonious made technically, technically Ronde Barber's number is not retired, but you don't see anybody wearing 20. Like Mike Allstott, you don't see anybody wearing 40. The number's not retired. The Bucks, I think, only have three. I think it's 99, 55, and 63. The rest, like 47 for John Lynch. You don't see anybody wearing 47. You know, like, like I just said, talking about Ronde Barber with 20, you don't see it. Mike Allstott with 40, you don't see it. So, like, it's. I think it's going to end up being, you know, either it will be his number is retired or he'll be like one of them. He's in the ring of honor and his number is not retired, but we're not giving that number to nobody. That's All right, let's talk, let's talk about uniforms before we wrap it up with the kicking competition. I, I have a take. Oh, so. I'm excited. So uh, I wanted to talk about the creamsicles because those have been brought back into discussion. Since the last time we talked to you guys, the Bucks have officially acknowledged that yes, they will be bringing back the creamsicles. And it feels good to be right because I told everybody on this year podcast it was going to be the Detroit Lions game. And guess what? Sure was. NFC Central Classic to take place in October in Raymond James Stadium. We will see the creamsicle bucks. But the million-dollar question this week, everybody has these harebrained schemes, all of these conspiracy theories. Are we going to see the orange creamsicle bucks? Or are we going to see the white creamsicle bucks and the reason people are going down this rabbit hole is because Levante David had said in a press conference this week that the uniforms are quote different than the ones he wore in 2012 now that's the last time the bucks wore their creamsicle I believe those were Reebok at the time no it was was the the first year first year of Nike but it was the last year of the creamsicles and that was the orange top white pants white lid now Levante had said that he got a look at the new creamsicles and he says they are quote different than the ones he wore before. Now, a lot of people seem to be taking that way too literally because in my opinion, if they just roll out the same creamsicle design, but it says Buccaneers in big, bold letters on the front of the chest, that technically counts as different than what Levante David wore before. But a lot of people have taken this even further. And now that they are, now they are saying that there is a real possibility the Buccaneers could not only bring back the creamsicles, but surprise just about everybody and go ahead and wear uh, either the white on white kit or the white kit with the orange pants. What do you think? My gut says they're going to be wearing the regular creamsicles. And the reason Levante said it's a little bit different is because I think it's going to be a modern ish take on the creamsicles. I don't think it's going to be anything drastically different than what we're expecting, but I think it's going to follow along the lines of what we have seen on those, uh, on those Jersey edits where it's, you know, a modern-looking creamsicle jersey. It has the modern Buccaneers font on the chest, whether it's in red lettering or black. You know, but I, I think we're going to see an updated creamsicle, and that's what Levante was referring to. 
But what do you think? Is it is it going to be orange? Is it going to be white? Are we in for a surprise here? Okay. So here's my take. If they roll out a white jersey. I'm going to be pissed. For, for I, personally, I'm, I'm going to be mad. Sorry, that is, is going to be the dumbest decision this organization has ever made. Like, I I can't fathom it. I like, agree. I te- agree. What's teasing. the point? You've what is the point? The, you've been teasing the return of the cream sickles, and you're not going to. That's not the good. That's not cream sickles. That's not for two years. That's not the return of the cream sickles. <laughs> for like, two years, we have talked about the potential of the Buccaneers bringing back a throwback uniform. Obviously, the cream sickle. Uh, the cream of the crop, pun intended. You know, we got the return of the Eagles Kelly Greens this year. I think Houston is wearing a special throwback going back to the Oiler days. That's going to look awesome. Tennessee. You know, Detroit, I think, has another throwback uniform in the mix as well. Like, there's the Patriots did theirs. Yeah, you know, dude. And the those Seahawks, Seahawks, Seahawks are doing theirs. Yeah, the Seahawks are doing theirs. Like, honestly, like, I'm not, honestly, I'm not even a huge fan of having Buccaneers. Like, on, on like, if, I, I know, if the alarm clock. That'd be funny. That'd plot be great. Plot twist. Um, Catch everybody off guard. Um, I'm not even a huge fan, and I'll, I'll accept it, but, like, I'm not a huge fan of having Buccaneers right here. I like, that's That's not, like, I want a pure throwback. I'm hoping what Levante David means. One of the reasons that the Bucs didn't have cream sickles last year was supply chain issues. I was also told, Creamsicle orange. Hold on, hold on. You, you cut, hold on. Say that again because you cut out there. You were told last year oh, that okay. obviously supply shortage, but you had mentioned mm-hmm. the creamsicle orange. Say that again. Yeah, I, w- I was told that Nike was having trouble coming up with the right creamsicle orange. So maybe is it a bit like because the last ones, if you look against the Saints there, that last one, it was a lighter orange. But in some Bucks pictures, like you see, it's a little bit of a darker orange. So maybe is it a little bit darker? Like, and I hope that's what Levante David means. I will accept it if it has Buccaneers here, whatever. By the way, you said red or, red or black font. It has to be red or else. Like, there's, there's, there's not black on anywhere on the jersey. Like, so it, it has to be red. And I will, but I will be a little annoyed, but like, I'll accept it, whatever. As long as it still has like the stripes here, as long as you don't put like the flag here, like the ship here, like a normal, like, no, we can't do that. But like, like yeah, no modern, says no modern logos. Yeah. Like, if it says Buccaneers, whatever. But the one thing I won't accept is if you want to bring both back and you want to have a road game where you wear the, those, great. That's awesome. Like, that'd be cool. Do not. You cannot tease the return of the cream sickles and then not actually give anyone cream sickles. It is idiotic. It would be malpractice to like it's not a cream sickle game then. Like, stop saying return of the cream sickles if you're gonna give me a jersey that's white. Well, like, and people people love getting hung up on technicalities because uh for those of us, well, I, I mean, neither me nor Evan were around to to witness it, but for the people who have been around long enough. You know, back in 1976, the Bucks didn't wear creamsicle at all. It was white on white kit the entire season. So, you know, maybe they go back to their roots or whatever. Because another thing, too, that 1976-77 white on white kit was different than the white on white uniform they had later on. It was the orange numbers with the red outline as opposed to the red numbers with the orange outline that they adopted later on. So... Still a little bit of a belief that they could, uh, you know, surprise just about everyone and roll something out just like that, especially with, uh, I think season, well, season 45 just came and went, 
for Tampa Bay, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, mm, this isn't, yeah, season 45 just came and went. But I don't know. It would be shocking if they decided to do that. I would be disappointed. Uh, I know a lot of people like to bring up the imaginary advantage that they seem to have wearing white at home in October. Oh, my God. Because it Jeez. is hot outside, you know, but it's it's, so I, dumb, I, I don't think I don't think the light orange compared to the white is going to make that much of a difference. But um, bro, well, when the Panthers are in town, when the Panthers are in town and the Bucks wear white and the Panthers just wear light blue, what's that doing? Like, like yeah. what is that really doing? Like, come on. Hey, speaking speaking of the Panthers, though, they they revealed their new blue jersey with the black helmet, black lid. Looks good. Dude, that's one looks of the best good. looks in the league, in my <laughs> opinion. I mean, it is clean. Yeah. So shout out to the Panthers. Got to show them some uniform yeah. love. Yeah, but, yeah it looks okay, good. But so. that's, that's just, please, don't. Don't screw this up. It's not hard. Like it, it's it's not hard. I will say one thing that's notable: uh, the Bucks, like uh, when they officially announced that like the cream stickers would be coming back this season, the NFL post on Instagram, like the edit of like the jersey swap of Mike Evans in it, and it was the throwback thing, and it had the Buccaneers thing that, on there. That, that's and, my expectation. And, 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 the, and the and the Bucks were invited as a collaborator on it. So they posted it too. So that's something a little bit noteworthy there. Yeah, that's my expectation for what the uniform is going to be. If you guys have seen any of the jersey swaps uh, floating around, there's one of Vita Vea. There's one of Mike Evans. I think there's a couple of Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask. OCP Designs on Twitter is one of the main people who do a great job with those those jersey swaps. But that is my expectation for the creamsicle. An updated version, maybe the orange is a little bit darker than what we saw in the old ones. And I think that big Buccaneers on the chest is is going to be the biggest difference. I hope they don't do that because, again, like you said, yeah. I hope it's I hope it's as historically accurate as they can make it. Like that yeah. Buccaneers font just kind of takes me out of it because it's it's two different eras, you know. Like they didn't have that font back in the day, so so no need to use it on the uniform. But we shall wait and see. Uh, our buddy Dalton HD Pizjug said, "Color rush, solid orange, everything." There you go. Really, really throw the people for a loop when they roll out wearing the orange on orange, kind of like the Miami Dolphins color rush from a couple of years ago. But all right, one more thing. We're going to wrap up here. If you want to call in, last chance to call 305-224-1968. Meeting ID is 895-6929-7818. Let's talk about this kicking competition. And I don't know how seriously you want to take this. I don't know if we want to call it a competition. I don't know if we want to call it an extra camp leg, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have signed... The Rod God himself, Rodrigo Blankenship, former University of Georgia great, has reunited with Jake Camarda and is now on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers roster. After trying out at minicamp last week, the Bucs decided to bring him in on a contract. So we have got ourselves a kicking competition. Uh, Once training way, camp starts, it is going to be Chase McLaughlin and uh, Blankenship here in Tampa. What have you got? Just, just to answer Richard's question, have the Bucs actually called it creamsicles or just throwbacks? Because that's, that's a good question. Like, if they called it throwbacks, that would lead me to believe, hmm, maybe something's up. On when they announced it six days ago, the post, hey, hey, Tampa Bay, the creamsicles officially returned October 15th against the Detroit Lions. And then they also posted the classics return to RJ Stadium. Get your creamsicle game tickets with the link in our bio. Come on. You cannot roll out a white uniform when you're saying stuff like that. I, I think we're going to get the official reveal sometime in training camp. I think it's going to be around the preseason. I think, I think they want a definitive quarterback one that they can market you know, I, I think they want to decide if it's going to be uh, Baker Mayfield or Kyle Trask. Yeah. 
rocking. Uh, I, I, I do. Version. I have heard. I have heard a date. Um, I can't. I don't. I don't really want to say it here because I can't confirm it. So, um, I, I, I love speculation heard, on the podcast. Come on, sooner rather than later. I'll say that. I like it. I I hope that's the case because. They've made all these announcements. They got these great promo videos are rolling out, but they won't show us the damn uniforms. And that's another reason I think uh, they are. Well, to be, be fair, to be fair, like like the Eagles technically haven't shown the color greens yet. Like that was oh, just, just kind of got yeah, leaked, leaked from, from the store. Yeah. yeah. So like to be completely fair, um, you know, it's not like all these other teams are releasing them and the bugs aren't. But yeah, let's let's really quick touch on this kicker battle for well, maybe battle but before we head out. All right, so Rodrigo Blankenship coming into Tampa Bay. Um, I want to say it's an interesting acquisition, obviously, because he is a pretty well-known kicker. Uh, But it's even more interesting because when you look at the kicking room now for Tampa Bay, and you look at the kicking room this time a year ago for a team like the Indianapolis Colts, same exact situation. Uh, Both McLaughlin and blankenship I, <laughs> I, I know it is kind of funny how things play out like that but uh these guys are, are shaping up for another kicking competition mclaughlin obviously won the job i think in indy and then blankenship finished the year but uh blankenship has been struggling with injury he hasn't quite been the same kicker he was since that rookie campaign uh mm. he's looking to bounce back and mclaughlin obviously stepping in now for ryan Suckup, who the bucks have moved on from who has yet to sign another contract so Interesting to see how that plays out for Suckup. But I think the biggest question is going to come down to who has the bigger leg? Uh, Richard T already beat me to it in the chat. You know, Blankenship has struggled with distance these last couple of years. And again, the injuries do not help. Um, But I do think he is going to be some healthy, legitimate competition. And is it... Is it disrespectful to write him off as a camp leg this early? Um, No. You you know, because I... I, As much as I like him, as much as I'm glad to see him in Tampa Bay, I, I can't see him as anything else because I just don't I, I just don't see this as something I don't want to say I don't see this as a battle he can come in and win, but it's a battle they've already had and it's a battle he lost once before. Yeah. Um you know, the if you're talking about bigger leg, it's it, Chase McLaughlin has a bigger leg. It's just that's just what it is. Um, but the last time the Buccaneers sort of chose a kicker because of his stronger leg, they chose Matt Gay. I believe it was over Pat Murray, I think. Um, oh, man. Yeah, and that, I mean, that was it, Pat like, Murray's it, last it all, wasn't it? Yeah, like like it, it didn't work out, you know. So, um, uh, yeah, it's, it, it's tough because you don't want to do that just because of that. And they wanted to be more consistent inside of 40, inside of inside of 50 yards. With Sagup, they were that. Um, but I, I also I don't think Blankenship's a camp leg. I think it's a real competition. I don't think McLaughlin hasn't been good enough in the NFL to just earn the job outright. Now, Jake Verity, who they waived a few days before they signed Blankenship, that's more of a camp leg. That's like a guy is like, okay, like if he pops and he's like, you're like, oh, this guy, you know, could be legit, then maybe you found a guy. But uh, for the most part, he's like a camp leg. But Blankenship, I mean, a guy with NFL experience like that, I don't, I mean, will it be a true kicker competition like Roberto Aguayo versus Nick Folk was? Probably not. Like, I would say McLaughlin probably has the upper hand. But I also don't think it's like a lock that like it's McLaughlin's job. So we'll see. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the fact that McLaughlin is is still kind of, 
bouncing around, you know, yet to yet to really find a long term home in the NFL, which uh, I think does make some fans a little uneasy because I, I still get messages on the uh, the Cannon Fire Instagram to this day about, hey, where's Ryan Suckup? Why did the Bucks move on from Ryan Suckup? Because again, we knew what we had in Ryan Suckup, and that was one of the more accurate kickers in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. But you know, kind of like what we talked about a couple of months ago when they decided to move on. When you have an offense that isn't a sure thing and can't get you into the red zone each and every time, we saw that cost the Bucks in 2022. We saw more times than not Ryan Suckup roll out there and just not have the firepower, uh, you know, to to hit that 50 plus yarder. And and that's what the Bucks need. You need a youth movement on this team. And even at the kicking position, that's what they're going through. Now, does that make some people uneasy? Because this team is is uh, is no stranger to some kicking struggles with younger yeah. kickers. Yeah, I totally get it. This 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 could be. Oh God, I don't want to say Ryan, that. Ryan this Zuckerberg was comfortable. Be, this could be one of those years. It, this could be one of those seasons where I don't know if it's going to be an ongoing issue, but I have a gut feeling that at least at one point this season. We're gonna have to have an uncomfortable. Oh, uh, there, there's there's gonna be some the kick where they're like Ryan Suckup would have made that, you know. Like there's gonna be some kick. Uh, Cameron, to answer your question: Where can you buy a creamsicle jersey? I would just look on NFL Shop or the Buccaneers website, their store. Um, if they they're even listed them. yet, I don't even know if they are. Yeah, Maybe like, I don't know. I don't know if they are. Uh, if you want a true throwback of like a throwback player, I know they have a few of those. I think like, yeah, they, they might uh, have like James, like James Wilder or something available. Um, but if you want a current player, uh, I think you might have to wait a little bit on that. Or I mean, I think you might be able to get it customized. I'm not 100 percent sure, but. I, I went to the Bucks team store about two weeks ago. They do not offer custom creamsicle just yet, but that may be an option once they are finally in stores. Um, Mitchell and Ness has a collection of creamsicle jerseys. It is Warren Sapp, Derek Brooks, Mike Allstott, James Wilder, I think, on that list as well. I think Eric Durrett is also on that list, and if that's the case, uh, I need to snag me one of those. But we have just got to wait and see once they officially roll those out, I think is when, you know, you're going to see things go full steam ahead on NFL shop team store and all that and the other. Um, but we have just got to wait for them to officially reveal it. But if you need something now, Mitchell and Ness has probably the best creamsicle jerseys on the market, but I do believe when they officially announce the, uh, the new creamsicles, I think they're going to look a lot different than what those classic Mitchell and Ness ones look like. Even, even the creamsicle orange, I think is going to be a different color, but Kind of like what you said, Evan, you know, I am excited to see position battles. It's always it's always high drama, high stakes when you talk about training camp battles. It's more content. It's more stuff to talk about. It's more fun stuff to watch play out in real time coming this July. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm sure I'm not alone when I say that I, I do have kind of a tiny, uneasy feeling at the bottom of my stomach here thinking about uh, what could go wrong between these two kickers. But it's going to be interesting <laughs> A battle that we've seen once before, a battle that we'll see once again, and uh, Rodrigo already coming into this knocked down a peg because Baker Mayfield still made it clear that uh, you know yeah, they're they're not on the it. best of terms either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, was, uh, that was pretty good. Man. Georgia, Georgia beat Oklahoma. Uh, I think it was in 2018 or whatever. Baker's last year at Oklahoma, so still not too pleased with that. But uh, yeah, we'll we'll see, and uh, you know it'll be interesting to talk about in camp. Just another training camp storyline. Yeah, stuff like that. I'll put a bow on it with this going back to Baker. You know, stuff like that. I, I know a lot of people like to like to make something out of nothing, but you know, a passive comment like that from Baker and then addressing Kyle Berger at the press conference when 
you know, he he talks about <laughs> that interaction with Blankenship. He's like, oh, well, I know you, Kyle, just trying to start shit. And, you know, I, I know a lot of people might not like to hear that. Maybe it comes off as a little arrogant from a guy who really definitively has not won the job yet. But I, I like that attitude. Um, you know, I, I think Bar- Baker has carried himself in a way that shows he is confident at the very least. And that's what I like in a quarterback, uh, a guy that's confident and um, a guy that's going to go out there and play his ass off. So hopefully we can expect that from not only Baker Mayfield, but Kyle Trask as well. And uh, we will keep you guys updated along every step of the way. But between now and July, <laughs> man, man, oh, man, we are just a couple of short weeks away from training camp. But this is the home stretch, folks. Yeah, this is this yeah. is that last little bit of the calendar year without football. I mean, it is it is just baseball keeping us company right now. Yeah, and, and you know, watching watching the Rays lose to Oakland last week, the way that they did was a little discouraging. But it also helps oh, oh, Arsenal, oh. the best team in baseball. Oh, Five dollar super man. chat from Mikey. Quick question here. He says, not week one. Just saying. The Phillies swept the, the uh, A's today, so just saying. Hey, you put an end to the hottest team in baseball. Glad to see it. Yeah. Uh, Mikey with a question here on the $5 Super Chat. Not week one, but who will be the starting quarterback week 10? Also, who is your prediction for your starting slot cornerback? Uh, by week 10, that's a yeah. great question. Um, do you that's, know, that's I, tough. I'm going to trust my gut here, and I'm going to say that Baker is marginally better than he was in L.A. with Dave Canales, and this is a simplified offense that is going to help him out. Obviously, a lot of maybes and a lot of yet to be determined because of first, uh, first-year play caller in Dave Canales, but I think it'll be Baker Mayfield. I, I think the Bucs will be a 5-6 win team, and he's going to be playing well enough to probably hang on to that job for most of if not all of the regular season. So my guess is Baker. What do you think? I think it's probably Baker. I think that's the, the safe one to say. Um, it's impossible. It's impossible because there are a lot can happen between week 10 and now. So we're now week 10, I should say, but I think the safe options probably Baker Mayfield. Um, if it's Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield started week one, then things probably by week 10 are not going very well. So, I'll agree there. Uh, who do you think is going to be the slot corner? For That's an interesting one. Um, I think they could try to experiment a little bit there. Like, I don't think Josh Hayes is going to win it. They're playing Anton Winfield at more of a safety now, like a true safety. I mean, they, I think they had D Delaney was the, in the slot at minicamp, so maybe him. But I think if they're going to sign anybody, I think you can maybe see them sign a slot corner um, just to have somebody fill that role. Um, maybe a couple days into training camp after they get a look at some guys, maybe, because right now, role? Uh, I just don't know if he's a great fit for the slot. That, that That's my biggest thing for it with him. I, I like him. I just don't know if his best spot is the slot. So, um, like I said, if they're going to add a, like a veteran who's going to see playing time, like a good bit of playing time, I think it could be a slot corner because right now that position's sort of bare, but I mean, Hey, Zion McCollum could prove me wrong and he could, he could be pretty well in the slot. And that would be, I think probably an ideal situation for the bucks. Like if Zion McCollum was that guy and he was a good special teamer last year, he just struggled at corner. And, um, you know, I honestly, I think slot corner at times, depending on the matchup can be tougher than outside corner. 
Uh, it's a lot harder going over the middle of the field, doing you know a lot of a lot of different things that you know teams do with slot wide receivers now that outside receivers are sort of limited to. So uh, I'm curious to see what they do with that position. I don't have a a firm answer for you right now, and that's another one where I think you, you're just gonna have to see the training camp battle. Like you're, you're just gonna have to see, see the battle between two or three different guys and see who comes out on top. A lot more heavy lifting, if you will, in that position, which leads me to believe that whoever is in that spot week one is going to be a guy with a little more experience than the next one. But with all of that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire podcast. Thank you to everyone who called in this week. We really do appreciate you. We'll be talking to you again here before you know it as we await Buccaneers training camp just a month away. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer News as it happens. Speaking of Bucks News as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram at Bucks underscore daily. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL and check out his written work at BucksNation.com. Anything in the hopper this week? Uh, yeah, I might have something coming out. Uh, I don't really want to say because you might see something similar to it on this channel here. So uh, something that, that could be coming out here. So keep an eye on both on Bucks Nation and also on this YouTube channel right here. Yeah, new video style here on the channel. Go check it out if you have not. We released a video on some of the biggest what-if scenarios in Tampa Bay Buccaneers history. And uh, maybe we got some more stuff like that cooking up right now for you guys i, I, I can say it's not a, it's not gonna be the next one but i can say you haven't seen the last of the biggest what ifs there is going to be another uh what ifs coming out soon looking forward to it last but not least you can find myself instagram and twitter at redicus r-h-e-t-t-a-k-u-s if you follow me i will follow you back but that's the show thank you again to everyone who hung out with us tonight Richard T on the West Coast, Mikey with the Super Chat, Cameron, our buddy HD Piss Jugs, shout out to Dalton, Mikey, and uh, anyone else that I may have missed, Bucks Nation, MK, Joshua, Lee Ayers, Dub, and anyone else. Mr. Bucks Nation, of course, how could I forget our boy? Thank you guys for hanging out with us. We'll talk to you in the next one. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off from my co-host, Evan Wanish. We'll see you then. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening. And go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.